was at home on Easter Monday 2015. I had just finished eating an Easter egg. I stood up and suddenly felt overcome. I always describe it as a feeling of death. I think a lot of people who have had a stroke often describe the feeling of the stroke as comparable to a feeling of death. There was quite a lot of activity that I don't remember. That was Easter Monday and the first thing I remember is waking up in intensive care on the Wednesday. I know from family that I was transported from the A&E that I'd been admitted to to the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. I couldn't move anything, I couldn't make a noise and I realised that whilst I knew that I was there, no one realised I was there. I now know that that was locked-in syndrome. Before stroke, I used to find children running around screaming to be annoying and now when I see children running around and shouting, it really makes me happy. I want to shout, run, run, be free, enjoy a healthy body. I would say generally I'm much more positive now about life. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. In Northern Ireland in 2018, 4,060 people went to hospital with a primary diagnosis of stroke. That's about 11 a day. Currently, 2% of the Northern Irish population is living with stroke, which is often sudden, can be devastating, and while health services are brilliant with diagnosis and treatment these days, after a stroke, patients often find when they get home, there just aren't enough resources to help them recover. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this podcast, we hear from Cloda Dunlop, a police officer from Northern Ireland who suffered a stroke at the age of 35. For me, I thought I lived a very normal life. I was a frontline police officer in Londonderry, Northern Ireland. I was very fit, healthy, running was my life and was very focused on my job role and career progression. I was at home on Easter Monday 2015. I had just finished eating an Easter egg. I stood up and suddenly felt overcome. I always say it, describe it as a feeling of death. I think a lot of people who have had a stroke often describe the feeling of the stroke as comparable to a feeling of death. What had happened at home on Easter Monday had what effectively was a mini-stroke. Often with mini-strokes, the symptoms of stroke disappear. So by the time the paramedics had arrived, I felt a bit of a fraud. They insisted I take the ambulance to hospital, but it was whilst I was in hospital that my condition began to deteriorate and I had a massive stroke. We don't know why I had my stroke, but often um, people have surmised it may have been in Northern Ireland there's the security threat and I had to wear a flak jacket daily as part of my job role. It may have been the repeated use 
of the flak jacket continually hitting against my neck that caused a weakness in the artery. Um, I was also involved in a minor road traffic collision, which had seen me sustain some whiplash. We don't fully know the reason why, but I like to think that perhaps it was because of the road traffic collision. Cloda was rushed to the ICU, but her time there is still a bit of a blur. There was quite a lot of activity that I don't remember. That was Easter Monday, and the first thing I remember is waking up in intensive care on the Wednesday. I know from family that I was transported from the A&E that I'd been admitted to to the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast where I received a mechanical thrombectomy. And without the mechanical thrombectomy, I've been told that I would be dead now. I was in intensive care for 10 days. And when I woke in intensive care, I could hear and see everything that was going on around me. But I I began to realize that I couldn't move anything. I couldn't make a noise. And I realized that Whilst I knew that I was there, no one realised I was there. I now know that that was locked-in syndrome. And it was after 10 days, I was moved to the acute stroke ward. I stayed there for four and a half weeks. During that time, my condition was diagnosed and I was issued an electronic IGS spellboard. I was able then to begin communicating with everyone around me. I was in brain injury rehabilitation unit for six months, and it was during that time that I engaged with speech and language therapy to regain my swallow, to regain my speech. Initially, when I was admitted to rehabilitation, nothing moved and I had to learn to sit and then to stand and then to take steps. And I also engaged with occupational therapy. So after six months, I was released from rehabilitation. I had spent seven and a half months in hospital. But when I was released, I could take steps and talk. Both weren't perfect, but enough for me to work on at home. And I've continued to work on everything daily. Cloda's condition proved to be emotionally very challenging. Initially, when I woke in intensive care, I become frightened that perhaps the doctors had given me the wrong medication. But it was after a couple of days that I began to realise this isn't medication. And the medical staff had told me I'd had a stroke. And that frightened me because I couldn't move and I couldn't speak. Nothing moved. And I couldn't ask questions about what type of stroke is this. And I couldn't ask, you know, why are both sides affected? All I knew at that time of a stroke was that older people got it. It may be linked to a poor lifestyle and it affected one side. So there was a lot of questions that I wanted to ask, but I couldn't make a sound. So it was really quite terrifying. I don't feel any bitterness or anger, 
But I would say that I did go through what I would recognize now as the stages of grief where I couldn't believe what had happened to me. It was in complete disbelief. How could I have had a stroke? And I would say that I've been angry. I have been depressed. I have bargained with God saying, well, if you give me back my speech, I don't care if I will ever move again. But now I think I've reached the acceptance stage and acceptance has allowed me to move on. Yes, I still have some disabilities as a result of the stroke, but I almost feel that in many ways, now that I've accepted I had a stroke, that it's enriched my life. People may ask why, but I haven't spent months locked in, unable to speak and unable to communicate with anyone or being unable to scratch an itch or wipe a tear from my eye. I'm very grateful now for all that I do have. It was in the first two or three weeks that were very dark. I couldn't understand what was wrong with me and what type of stroke it was. And it was in on the third week that a nurse had said that I had locked in syndrome and no one had mentioned that to me before. And I remember really struggling to know what locked in syndrome was. And then I remembered that I'd seen on the news Tony Nicholson had had locked in syndrome and he had campaigned for the right to die. And that terrified me. I thought, I can't have what he has. And I guess it was the police officer in me where I, police officers, we learn about when you're faced with a threat to your survival. There is the fight or flight syndrome and I knew I had a choice to make and it was I need to fight this. And from that point on, um, I was very positive about my recovery. A psychologist in my rehabilitation worried about my positivity. But I'm generally a positive person. Initially for my mother and my father, it was very difficult to comprehend how their young, fit, active daughter at 35 years of age had had a stroke. And it, and again, for my friends, it was very difficult to understand how their colleague, who was so health conscious and fit and active, had had a stroke. And I guess um, when they were all told I'd locked in syndrome and the likelihood of me ever recovering was... Not very likely. It was something that my mother and my family and my friends found very difficult to accept. And once I began to recover, everybody was very supported. I would get very excited by improvements in if I could move a finger, if I could make a sound, if my arm moved slightly. I was very excited by the developments. Equally, my family and my friends would be just as excited as I was. Police officers tend to be a unique type of person where most people avoid trouble and run away from it, whereas police officers run to trouble. Um, we try to fix things. And I understood that I can't do anything to change this. This is what it is. You know, I've had a stroke. I can't make this go away, but I can fight it. 
So I faced the situation head on and thought, I need to work at this daily. Although Clodagh suffered a major stroke, she's now back working in the police force. I am back working full-time. I passed my training investigator exam. It's a national exam. And I'm now back working in a detective role in the police service. It's interesting, but during my time in rehabilitation, I had recognised that I had a uniform role in the police service and I had been accepted to join the public order section of the police or what people would know as the riot police. And it was when I was in rehabilitation that I understood that I would never be able to return to that role within my job. So I decided to sit the trainee investigator exam and I had studied for that whilst I was in rehabilitation which I think was probably quite unusual for anyone in rehabilitation, brain injury in particular, to sit with the, an investigator's manual and study daily. And at that time I could barely move and barely speak. After her stroke, Clodagh's condition left doctors thinking she'd never be able to move again. But after seven months of intensive physiotherapy, she walked out of hospital and is now back working full-time. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Clodagh reveals how supportive her workplace has been after her return. I would say the workplace is probably where I feel most comfortable that I've had a stroke. It's in the workplace where people have had diversity training that no one mentions anything about my stroke and they accept that I can do the same job role. And she reveals the challenge that kept her going through her recovery. My consultant had said to me, whenever I was locked in, he asked, had I ever ran the Belfast Marathon? And I remember blinking at him, no. And he went to walk away and I blinked frantically at him, which meant I had something to say. And I spelled out to him, I will run it again. Let's hear how Clodagh coped with life after stroke when she returned home. I think I was very naive about my return home. For seven and a half months, I longed to return home. I'd worked hard in rehabilitation just to get home. And I didn't want to have any contact with medical staff or outsiders once I got home. But when I was released and came home after seven and a half months, Life wasn't the same and I was in an electric wheelchair and I would say that I avoided contact with anybody who would be able to help me, but it was very dark days for me when I had returned home. I had physiotherapy three times a week for three months, but I would say that no, there isn't a lot of support out there once you return home. I know that if it wasn't for me taking myself to the gym daily and being so focused on my recovery and I'm really conscious about nutrition and my rehab that I would still be in an electric wheelchair because the physiotherapy and the support services, whilst initially they're there when you're discharged, they disappear very, very quickly. In Northern Ireland, we have Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke. They had a group post-recovery exercise program 
and that was once a week. And it was a wonderful group. It had other stroke survivors and it was really great to go along to it and do small exercise classes with other stroke survivors. And it was motivational because it was a six-week class, but during that period you would always see other stroke survivors improving and hearing their stories was always inspiring for me to keep working on my recovery. And then I would say the Stroke Association is a wonderful charity because whilst perhaps in the health service you feel very abandoned by the therapies that I feel you should still have as a stroke survivor, um, the Stroke Association are very supportive just with their groups I really feel it helped me in the early days. Probably like a lot of stroke survivors, though, I went through a range of emotions where I felt I benefited from talking to other stroke survivors who were overcoming their disabilities. But there were times when I wanted to avoid the stroke world. I didn't want to be associated with it. So I had a range of emotions. But what I would say is that Hearing other young stroke survivor stories really inspired me to keep working at my recovery. I had met other young stroke survivors who were able to tell me they had spent a year and a half in a wheelchair and they were now walking and learned to drive in the adapted car. And I would say that ultimately it's been other stroke survivors who have helped me get to where I am today by sharing their stories. I think I would have benefited from another young stroke survivor visiting me. I feel that even now I would benefit from more physiotherapy. I always feel that when I was in hospital, people had talked about feeling abandoned once um, they'd got released from hospital. And I would say I didn't feel abandoned because I wanted to avoid hospitals after I left or after I was discharged. But now I would say I feel abandoned by the health service. I always think if I had another long-term condition like that needed medication, I would be seen more regularly. But now it's like you have a disability, your arm isn't quite functional, your leg, but you'll be fine. But with stroke recovery, recovery is ongoing and doesn't end after a few months. I think if I had more physiotherapy, I would continue to improve. Despite her serious condition, Cloda's workplace welcomed her back. I would say the workplace is probably where I feel most comfortable that I've had a stroke it's in the workplace where people have had diversity training that no one mentions anything about my stroke and they accept that I can do the same job role. But it's when I'm not at work that people, because I have a non-functional arm or I don't quite walk in a normal fashion, that people almost treat me like, my opinions about things don't matter as much or you're treated almost differently because you've had a stroke. But in work, it really doesn't matter. I feel very supported at work and I think that's a huge thing as a younger person. 
I would imagine that if I hadn't have been able to return to work and do a job role that, and I had to remain at home, it would have affected my physical recovery and probably my mental health. When I'm out at work and I have a challenging job role, I don't focus on, I have an arm that doesn't quite work or a leg. I I get busy with the challenges at work of my job role. And I think that has allowed me not to fixate or become depressed about losing the power in my arm or dwell on the things maybe that I can't do. I'm still me. There are certain things that are different now. I didn't like coffee before stroke. I now adore coffee. I smile much too much now. I'm always very happy. When I drive to work, I sing and I would say that Before stroke, I used to find children running around screaming to be annoying. And now when I see children running around and shouting, it really makes me happy. I I want to shout, run, run, be free, enjoy a healthy body. I would say generally I'm much more positive now about life. I wasn't a deeply religious person before, but I would say I've always believed in God and stroke has kind of reaffirmed my belief in God and life after death. But I would say that I'm not deeply religious, but on a daily basis, when I drive to work, I do give thanks, and I'm very grateful that I'm no longer trapped in my own body. For the future, Cloda has a major goal. I was a big runner before stroke and I would have run four miles every day and I would like eventually to be able to run again. Whenever I was in hospital, my consultant had said to me, whenever I was locked in, he asked, had I ever run the Belfast Marathon? And I remember blinking at him, no. And he went to walk away and I blinked frantically at him, which meant I had something to say. And I spelled out to him, I will run it again. And he looked at me with real pity. And I knew that he was thinking, you never will. I set myself a goal and I'd spelled out to him, I will run again and I will run the leg of the Belfast Marathon and I'm going to make you do it with me. And... He has since um, agreed to do it with me when I can and get the uh, staff from the stroke unit to join us. So my goal is to run with my consultant in the Belfast Marathon, not to do the full marathon, but to do a leg of it. Generally at work, I would like to get promotion. I've written a book about my experience of locked-in syndrome, so I'm going to hopefully sell that later this year don't have no hope never give up believe in recovery anything's possible if you work at it and keep believing I always say that my recovery has been like a recipe where I've needed all the right ingredients from the support of the hospital staff to my friends and my family to my work and I would always say Always support someone who's had a stroke because with all that support, that'll keep them motivated in their daily battle to fight it and just keep up the rehabilitation. Even after three and a half years, 
I still see physical improvements. Finally, Cloda has some thoughts to share for you if you're a relative or a friend of a stroke survivor. Just show them love and support and don't think that the condition is forever. Be positive and my sister had a great attitude with me. She would tell me that I was on a journey of recovery with locked-in syndrome and no one knew where it would end or no one knew how long it would take, but it was a journey. And I always think it was the right sister who had locked-in syndrome. As a police officer, I think I would have told my sister, you've locked-in syndrome and you will never recover. And I think don't rob your loved one of hope. You don't need to give them false promises about recovery, but just be positive. My sister had the right attitude with uh, you're on a journey. Cloda's recovery is an extraordinary example of beating the odds with willpower and sheer determination. Despite having locked-in syndrome, she regained the ability to walk and communicate and is now focusing on running a leg of the Belfast Marathon to further prove that there is life after stroke. If you're listening to this podcast and have had a stroke or somebody close to you has and you'd like to learn more, search for The Stroke Association online. And for a dedicated NHS page, search for NHS Strokes. If you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, we'd be grateful if you'd subscribe to the series and rate and comment, because that does help us spread the word. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.